Hello and welcome to another edition of the Scarlet Nation podcast. Bobby Darren here for 24-7 Sports with the special NCAA Tournament Rutgers edition. I'm here in Dayton, Ohio. Um, I have John Otterstep with me from Scarlet Nation as well, back in New Jersey. We're going to be talking a lot of Rutgers, a lot of basketball. We're going to be talking Notre Dame, NCAA Tournament, March Madness. John, how are you? I'm doing well, Bobby. I want to ask you a quick question before we get going. How many hours into the drive out there today did you regret offering to drive and wish that you'd taken a plane? I loved it. <laughs> I was able to to, to have some uh, peace and quiet for once. <laughs> so it was actually quite enjoyable. You know, I, I talked on the phone. I made some stops. I listened to some music. I saw a lot of cows. I saw a lot of those, uh, you know, those, those barn looking things. What are they called? Silos and stuff or, or, or whatever they're called. Yeah. I don't know. I but, know um, you I know you love your kids, but I know we all need a, a day or so away from them here and there. So well deserved. And I, I know you just were first just to show Bobby's dedication, folks. The guy just pulled into the hotel and here we are a few minutes later on the phone recording this podcast because he wants to make sure that you have that for your your drive in the morning. So, Bobby, thank you for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, it's, and it's going to be the first time I think I can sleep without one or two kids kicking me midway through the night from running into the bed. So it's going to be a new experience. All right. Cool. Yeah. So, so let's get going on this one. Bobby, yes, um, I know we said we were going to start talking about Selection Sunday, and I was mm-hmm. there the other day. And mm-hmm. um, I just want to give the the listeners a little insight into that because I know I posted the video and it was funny reading the interpretations of the video because obviously that's the only glimpse a lot of people had. And I think when you watch these videos, you kind of, uh, I guess, infer your own meaning, what you wanted to see or whatnot. And so it was just funny to, to, to hear the interpretations. And so one of the things people were saying like, Oh my God, they were going crazy when they got in. And I guess from sitting there, I didn't see that. In fact, Mm -hmm. I I saw a different uh, vibe. I think that this was a team that was a little nervous. Uh, The Mm -hmm. players told us that Coach Peichel kind of set them up for the worst just so that it didn't hit them at a left field. Uh, These guys did not know that they were getting in. Coach Peichel didn't know. And, um, you know, that last half hour before they heard the announcement, you could have heard a pin drop in the room most of the time. Mm-hmm. Gio joked that he sat there eating and staring at his food, and that was exactly what he was doing. I kept looking over and smiling, laughing because I go, "This guy is nervous." <laughs> the whole the whole room had this kind of feel like when you're waiting to take a big exam that you didn't study for, when mm-hmm. you just have that pit in your stomach. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they finally announced. Yeah, there was a little bit of cheering, but I don't like when, when you were watching those the players' faces. There was a little bit more of a like a collected exhalation, like "Oh my God, thank God!" And right. My interpretation of that entire thing is that the players know that they there shouldn't have been this moment that we're all waiting on the edge of our seats to find out whether they got in or not. They know that they're better than the play-in game, and just hearing that news was more like, all right, now we can go to sleep. We could relax, mm-hmm. get working. But it was, uh, it was definitely an interesting vibe because you watch all those other teams and there's, you know, packed, uh, you know, the little arenas or meeting areas where there are hundreds of people there and bands played and people jumping up and down cheerleaders. Uh, that wasn't the case at the Rodkin center the other day. It was a, uh, Players were chill. They're sitting at tables. They're eating. 
but nervously sitting at tables, nervously eating. And I think everyone was just happy at the, at the end to, to move on and, and get on to this next phase. Well, you know, I, I agree. I think it's it's uh, it was a sense of relief for the guys because um, this is a team. I mean, when it's playing well and firing on all cylinders, as you saw this season, it can beat anybody in a Big Ten. And being that this, that's considered the best league in the country, I mean, they feel like they can play with anybody. And, and you know, there's there's still a, a lot of talk about the losses to UMass and DePaul and, and Lafayette and the computer ranking systems can't stand Rutgers because of that. And no matter what they did, they just couldn't up those rankings because uh, the earlier season, you know, hiccups against those teams really set them back. So I, I think there was a lot of, uh, you know, it, it left a bad taste in their mouth because this team feels like they're a lot better than, than you know, an 11 seed, not even just a playing game, you know. So this is the third straight year they've been there. I mean, the first year they didn't have the chance because COVID wiped away the season right before Selection Sunday, but they, they looked like they were a lock then. So, you know, this isn't new to these guys. Right. And this team is better than they were earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people thought it was going to be addition by subtraction by having a couple players move on, maybe one or two in particular. And that might be the ultimate situation by the end of the season, but it was tough. You know, there were some question marks. They had to find the rhythm. They had to find some answers at some different positions. And you know what? Once they kind of got into the the meat of that schedule, uh, they found those answers. And so it's a much better team right now. And I'm looking forward to the the next couple of games. I say couple of games because I think they're at least going to win one in this tournament. And, you know, it presents an interesting matchup. Notre Dame has has a decent record, but, you know, 15-5 and five in the ACC, you would think most years, well, that they're a really strong team, but a really down year for the ACC. I know, John, you watched uh, some of Notre Dame. Uh, what, what's your thoughts and, and for the people who haven't really paid attention to them? What What, what is Rutgers walking into in Dayton for this first yeah, four game? I gave myself a little bit of a crash course and, Went on to ESPN and uh, watched some backlog tape of the of the team just so I could get a sense of the different players and what the team has to offer. And you know, as you said before, it's 15 and five in conference, 22 and 10 overall. They have a couple of good wins. Uh, I mean, a big win over number 10 Kentucky, 66-62. They have a win over North Carolina, 78-73. So this is a team that has definitely shown that it could win a big game. But again, there were a lot of uh, games against competition that. You know, I, they should have taken care of. And, and so it, it was hard to tell mm-hmm. um, some losses of note. They played Illinois. Uh, they lost 73, 57. They lost to Indiana, 64, 56. Uh, so if Rutgers fans want to kind of grab onto a, a little hope right there. That's that's two instances where, uh, you know, Big Ten teams were victorious against mm-hmm. Notre Dame. But um, I guess, I you know, I, as I was watching the games, watching the team play, I took down some notes and just thought I'd share a little bit of, you know, what I saw and what I learned along the way. The first thing is that this team is, is they're a tall team, 78.1 inches on average. The national average is 77 inches. Um, and you'll notice that we'll talk a little bit more about their big guys later. So they definitely have some, some height, but the good news for Rutgers is that Rutgers is even taller at 78.7 inches on average. Um, and even with that said, like, Rutgers is a taller team, but sometimes when you watch this Notre Dame team, they look taller than they even are because some of their big men hang out on the periphery, kind of like when you'll see uh, Dean Reber hanging out on the outside. He looks even mm-hmm. taller when he's standing amongst those guards. You'll right. see a, a similar situation with Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they're a tall team, 
but not necessarily a physical team. When I say not necessarily, I mean not at all a physical okay. team. <laughs> There's basically zero worry about block shots. Um, and it, this is a team, if you can exert your will on them physically, you're going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not many guys here who look like, you know, you wouldn't take them in a barroom fight. And, <laughs> um, and you know, it's a team that lives and dies by the three. They hit the threes at a 38% clip. Um, 37.8% of all their points come off three-pointers. 77 uh, three-point attempts on the season versus 560 for Rutgers. Which, by the way, I didn't do a little research. I didn't realize Rutgers was as good in three-point percentage as they were. Um, overall, in the season, they weren't great relative to their Big Ten peers. But if you just go by the Big Ten regular season, just against Big Ten teams, they were third at, uh, I don't know, it was 30, 36%, I think it was. So mm-hmm. um, Rutgers, Rutgers is no, you know, <laughs> much improved uh, from the outside this year. But let's well, get you also have to remember they were the fourth place finishers in the Big Ten. Um, you know, that's it, a heck of a league to finish fourth in. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, one thing I noticed about from watching Notre Dame is that you can penetrate on these guys. They don't seem particularly fast on defense. If you watch that Virginia Tech game, I think at one point the lead was 29 to 14. And at that point, uh, Virginia Tech was just imposing their will on them. They were penetrated. They were getting inside. And the only thing I noticed, though, is that this is a smart team. Mm-hmm. The Notre Dame guys, they kind of regrouped. They figured out how to stop Virginia Tech from penetrating. And that's how they were able to claw back into the game. So uh, they're not going to defeat you by imposing their will physically, but they're smart and they'll get, they'll find the right position to get into, to stop you. You know, and and that could work, uh, you know, the physical aspect, you know, Cliff down low, just exerting his will. And and Rutgers is really effective when it can out rebound another team. And a lot of that is just, you know, kind of want to hustle plays, playing physical and, and that could really work to their advantage. Right. I I think so. I, I have a very poor impression of them physically and it, maybe it's just the the snippets that I saw, but I do feel like Rutgers is the, the bigger team, the stronger team, the tougher team, the more aggressive team. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, along the same lines, they're, um, you know, they're, they're not particularly intimidating on defense. If mm-hmm. the game I watched was any indicator, um, they're smart, they plug holes. You might throw them for a loop at first, but they're going to figure it out. So, Definitely, I, I'm hoping Rutgers will run out to a an early lead because it might. They seem like that kind of chippy, scrappy team that will find a way to get back into it. And you know, it'll be interesting to see how Paul Mulcahy fares when he when Rutgers was on that four game winning streak against ranked opponents. He was really playing at a high level. Um, you know, and, and he'll get to the rim different ways using his size, backing down. Do you see any of the guards that can maybe? Uh, battle with him in that respect. He's six foot seven. You know, when he uses that size, he can be physical and he can he can get to the rim. You know, not breaking guys down off a dribble like Jacob Young, but you know, in, in other types of ways. Did, did you see him from what you've seen out of Notre Dame being able to to kind of get in there and, and create some stuff? Absolutely. I, even Caleb McConnell, he's got that nice little shot from close to the basket. He can get in. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think we're gonna have to see Caleb throwing up three pointers in this game. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so both of those guys, I think, can can pull the defenders closer to the basket. Um, I really wasn't overly exci- excited or interested in what I saw from the Notre Dame 
guards, um, you know, they have this one. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it in a, in a moment, but actually, let me get to it right now. So their mm-hmm. high scorer is a freshman, Blake Wesley, uh, a mm-hmm. guard. He, I call him uh, Geo Baker light. Um, similar game. He's scrappy. He, you know, he, to his credit, he tries to be a leader. He'll try to, uh, to make plays. Um, he touches the ball 31% of every possession, which is 39th in the country among all players. The offense runs through him. Uh, mm-hmm. Yet, interestingly, he only gets 2.5 assists per game, but he'll try to penetrate. So he scores. You know, he's, the, he's their leading scorer. He makes plays, but I don't think he looks so good doing it. And uh, I'd rather trust the ball in his hand. I mean, if I'm a Rutgers fan, rather than the... You'd rather him getting the open shots because he doesn't hit it at the same clip as some of these tall guys who are hitting from mm-hmm. the outside. Um, okay. And then they also have another guard, uh, Prentice Hub. Uh, he's their point guard. He's averaging nine points per game, four rebounds a game. He seems like he can play with some swagger. He'll go to the basket. He'll take the big shot when needed. Um, you know, that he, he, interestingly enough, Hub and Wesley have the most three-point attempts but the lowest percentage is among their three-point shooters. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it, it's just interesting with that one because they're the guys who seem to take the ball in the biggest moments, at least the biggest moments that I've seen. And mm-hmm. they're not particularly – they're not. They, they almost seem like the guy that I wouldn't want to have the ball in those moments. But once again, I, I have a limited view. <laughs> okay. And, and, you know, being that this team, you said, is not physical, I mean, on both ends of the floor, is this a, a team you see that Rutgers could get on early and kind of stick their, their foot on their throat, for lack of a better words, and, and really, you know, run away with this thing if they play like they're capable of? I think so. But, you know, there, there's this kind of this X factor right here. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll get to this. They have a, a, another big guy, Nate, Nate Lashevsky, six foot ten, two hundred thirty five pounds. He averages uh, 9.2 uh, points per game, six rebounds a game. Uh, he's solid. This kid, not only will he shoot the three, but he hits it for 46%. Mm-hmm. And he's one of those guys. You know, I always have those nightmares watching these Rutgers games where some tall, lanky guy hangs out on the outside and just killing them from beyond the arc. And he seems like that kind of guy. In fact, they have a few guys who fit that uh you know, that description, the kind of guy who, when you see them physically, you go, oh, Rutgers could have their way with this guy. But if they get open and Notre Dame is a patient team, they move the ball along the outside. Um, they have guys who, if they get that open shot, can make you pay. Mm-hmm. So as much as I think Rutgers should win this game and uh, the keys to the game, in my, in my mind, favors Rutgers, mm-hmm. uh, w- when you have as many shooters as they do, uh, you could win any game, which is evidence how they beat North Carolina and Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know one one of the things also I think Rutgers has working for it is is Steve Pico and company. Are, are, they really grind it out when they're doing their game plans, and they're, they're really good game day coaches. So I, I, I'm curious to see what kind of uh, defense they draw up to contend with, with this type of offense of Notre Dame, and and really if they they really want to pester them from the beginning on the perimeter. Um, you know, he's, he's proven to be a really good day, game day coach. You know, I've heard instances where he'd be places and not even know what day it is because he'd been watching so much film in preparation for a game. So um, I, I think he'll have them ready. But as you've seen this year, you know, Rutgers can play, you know, elite basketball and then go into a hole at times. Right. You, you don't know which team is going to come out. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I can't, you know, 
luckily I'm not a betting man. And if I was a betting man, I have a hard time with this one. But mm-hmm. if, you know, if push came to shove, I'd say Rutgers ha- has a, a pretty good advantage here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in, in listening to some of the post-game uh, interviews of opposing coaches whose Rutgers have beaten, you know, Tom Izzo of Michigan State, Brad Underwood of Illinois were so complimentary of Rutgers, um, saying that this is one of the hard the teams that plays the hardest that they'll ever face. Like, you know, that just, you know, is relentless. And, and, and that's that was one of the keys. He said they just play harder. They outwork everybody. They outhustle everybody. And I'm thinking if they play like that, with the lack of physicality that you mentioned in Notre Dame, it really should work to Rutgers' advantage. Yeah, and they don't have a deep bench either. So <laughs> if Rutgers can outlast them in that regard, get some fouls on their players, uh, you know, it will definitely take the wind out of their sails down the stretch. But interestingly enough, I felt in that game against uh, Virginia Tech, it was Notre Dame, even though they play that short bench, who had more wind in the second half. Okay. And Rutgers hasn't really been leaning on its bench much either. You know, in the second half of, you know, the last game, they barely saw any of them. Um, You know, not a ton of points coming off the bench outside of Reber when he gets going, but even he's got to be set up with some plays. So um, you're going to have to rely heavily on your starting five, as Pico has done, you know, pretty much through the duration of, of this season. But, um, you know, they should they should be rested pretty well. You know, they had that double bye, just played one game against Iowa, and now, you know, had some time to rest and prepare for this game. So uh, I'm expecting them to come out and play good basketball. Let me ask you this question. Who does Rutgers put on a tall guy, like a six-foot-nine guy, um, six-foot-six guy? So what, I think it's uh, Leshevsky is six-foot-nine. He's shooting 46% from three-point range. They got uh, six-foot-six Dane Goodwin. Uh, shooting 44.8 from three-point range. Who do you put on those guys? Six-foot-six guy to six-foot-nine guy who's shooting I mean, from the outside. You know, it's six-nine. You could you could throw Caleb McConnell on him. I mean, that's a defensive player of the year in the Big Ten. You know, he's guarded bigger guys. He's guarded smaller guys. And, and don't don't sleep on Ron Harper Jr.'s defense either. He's he's had some games where he's really come to play on the defensive end. You know, the first time Iowa came to Piscataway, Keegan Murray did not have a huge game, and that's one of the best players in college basketball. You look down that end of the court, and Ron Harper was responsible for a lot of defensive stands against him. So you throw that six six guy. You know, Harper has that that um you know the size. He's six seven. He's solid. He he can play a good amount of defense. And Caleb, you know, I, I'm confident in him on, on pretty much most players. I mean, the, the guy's you know one of the best defenders in the country. Right, right. So I put together. Uh, I think it's about six keys to the game, and we'll go mm-hmm. through them. Bobby, just stop me if you ever want me to stop rattling this stuff off. But um, no, go with it. My first key to the game is just to start strong. Clemson ran out to a big lead, and they needed it. Um, Notre Dame isn't an athletic team, but they're smart. And so I think it'd be nice to operate with a cushion. Mm-hmm. And moving along, uh, as we were saying before, stop the three. Whoever's guarding this kid, Lashevsky has to be all over him at the three-point line. Mm-hmm. Um, as we are saying before, let those guards shoot the threes as to some of the more polished players, like the two I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. The guards take more threes, but they hit it at a lower rate. And I think they play a little bit at a more uncontrolled pace. Than the rest of the team, um, I felt like the team lost a little bit of its rhythm when the guards did more. Okay. Uh, grab some offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. And then you know, next- long shots, long shots, long rebounds. So um, you know, guys will have to attack the boards. But Rutgers does a pretty good job of of getting to the glass and having their their perimeter guys rebound. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then Harper, I, 
I think if the, he has a big game, they win. That's it. When Ron Harper Jr. scores 20 points or more, Rutgers wins every time. They're seven and zero this year in that situation. Um, and I think Geo's really important. But uh, if I recall, Rutgers beat Purdue without Geo that game, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and Ron might not be as tall as their front court players, but he's by far more physical. He's faster. He outweighs them. Uh, for example, Harper, I believe, weighs 245 pounds, and Dane Goodwin, who he might who might match up against him, is six foot six and only 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, this kid Atkinson, who might be more likely to play against him, um, Atkinson's three inches taller than Harper, but slower, less physical. Um, you know, overall, I just think their big guys are a little like I don't I don't want someone who's a Notre Dame fan saying that I'm t- saying their other guys are slow, but I'm just talking about like. You know, when you're talking about elite athletes, I mean, these they're they're athletic big men, but they're not as athletic as Ron Harper Jr., you know. Mm-hmm. And so you have a situation where the one guy who I think might be on him is too slow. The other guy who I think is on him is too small. And, uh, you know, this kid Goodwin, he's a that didn't look like a good defender at all. He's basically a six foot six shooter. And as I mm-hmm. said before, he's forty four point eight uh, from the three point line. So. Really could be interesting to see what they do with Harper because this seems like if there was a game against a you know a worthy opponent where I feel like Ron could have a big game, mm-hmm. I think this could be it. And you know he's been getting to the basket uh, these last few games. You know, you know regularly like you know going in using the left hand on layups, getting by guys, and and if you start to see him get some of those shots off and hit a couple threes, you, you can kind of see what Ron has it going. You know, he hits a couple of those, and and when you see that three going, uh, if, if he can start off like that, uh, that's a great sign for Rutgers. Yeah, definitely. Um, my next key to the game is just playing tough outside the rack. Uh, Interestingly enough, in the ACC tournament, uh, they had a pretty loud crowd rooting for them. So they'll mm-hmm. definitely have fans out there in Dayton, which isn't too far from the campus. I don't know exactly mm-hmm. how far, but it's definitely in the region, if, so to speak. Um, and Rutgers, as you know, plays better in front of the home crowd. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to definitely uh, summon that rack energy uh, despite being away from home. Yeah, you know, he said Indiana. I was driving here, and when Dayton was like thirty some miles, Indianapolis said one hundred twenty six miles. I went, "Wow, man, I'm really out here." Yeah, <laughs> right. My my geography of the Midwest isn't as good as the East Coast, so I didn't realize it was it was that deep. But um, they should travel well. I mean, and you know, there's Notre Dame fans all over the place, so um, they definitely will have to get their their heads on with the road, and that's something that they've been working at, and something that's coming along, but it, it wasn't you know exactly at a lightning pace right i think my final key to the game is I think Rutgers just has to control the paint they have mm-hmm. to score when they're in the paint and when they're on defense they have to push them out beyond the three and just hope that the other team doesn't get hot mm-hmm. um 57 of Rutgers points comes from two pointers whereas the league average is 50 percent mm-hmm. uh, Rutgers takes a lot of two pointers and as luck would have it Notre Dame lets up a lot of easy two pointers and uh, yeah. like a lot of them like that's just because they because they're that step slow um, they tend to get burned uh, mm-hmm. when the players go into the basket, and Rutgers has to to be that team tomorrow. They have to be the team that gets to the basket easily. Hey, you know, if you can get Cliff down there throwing some dunks down, and it'll free up a lot of stuff too. And and he could he could have a field day down there with those guys. He definitely can. But I have to end this with saying that you know Notre Dame is a really well coached team. 
they seem to adjust well as the as the game goes on. They play smart, not necessarily hard. And um, if their shots are falling, it could be a long day for Rutgers. But I think Rutgers has what it takes to stop those shots from falling. Well, we're going to see, and I'm going to be able to see it firsthand. Uh, you know, first tournament really with with open uh, fan capacity because remember last year it was limited. So it it should be uh, it should be a good atmosphere, and and you know. Hopefully this kick starts, you know, a run. Rutgers has proven they can go on good runs, and, and uh, it all starts in Dayton. It does. So I hope we have a, a few more conversations before this tournament is over, and then we can start talking about recruiting. But that's another thing for another time. Yes. Well, all right. Well, John, thank you for the insight. And, you know, uh, for everybody who's listening, thanks for hanging out with us. And, and um, we'll be bringing you coverage all day long from Dayton. Um, whatever's in Dayton, we're going to find out. We're going to see it, <laughs> and uh, we'll bring it to you, all right? John, right, take- any other closing thoughts? I do not. I just want to thank everybody who's out there for being part of Scarlet Nation. Uh, you, are, you are what makes this site tick. We're so glad to have you being part of us, and Bobby, we're glad to have you, uh, the guy who jumps out in the car and heads out there and does it with a smile, and uh, <laughs> thank you, everybody. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again and catch catch us anytime on the roundtable, scarletnation.com, 24-7 sports. We're all here every day of the year. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.